may be seated. How powerful was that worship? Wow. I want to say a huge thank you to the worship team, to the setup team, to the welcome team, to all the kids volunteers. So many people work so hard to make this Sunday morning a reality, and it is just a joy to serve with you all. So thank you, volunteers. We also have the kids with us this morning. So thank you, kids. Welcome, kids, to Big Church. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do something special today since this is the best day of the year. I, and I need the kids to help me with this too, okay? I want on the count of three for us to all yell out, he is risen, and then just erupt in celebration. Can we do that? Kids, can you help us? Can we all do that? All right, are you ready? One, two, three. He is risen. Yeah. Amen. All right. So good. Well, if you have a Bible, take it out. Turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today. And we have been in a series in 1 Corinthians. We're calling this series Called Out. And this whole book is about the Corinthian believers, this church of God at Corinth, and their identity in Jesus Christ. They were in darkness, and God called them out of that darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. The old was gone, and the new was a reality in their lives. And week after week, we're seeing something new going on in the Corinthian believers, they're dealing with all these different issues, which we all know is a nice way of saying they had a lot of baggage, okay? And, and we have seen time and again that we deal with the exact same issues, whether it's pride, whether it's disunity, whether it's sexual immoral sins, like all these things that the Corinthians were working through and processing and trying to figure out with their new life in Jesus Christ and how that fit in to their and how they had to get rid of the old, we have the exact same applications in our lives. And in 1 Corinthians 15, for those of you who are here every week, you know we just skipped ahead a couple chapters. Don't worry. We'll be back in chapter 12 next week. We left off in chapter 12. We'll jump right back to chapter 12. But chapter 15 is really no different than the rest of the book because Paul is actually dealing with an issue that was affecting the Corinthians that is the same type of thing that we deal with, that it will also affect us. This problem they had here in chapter 15, dollars spent on not aging, and I'm not going to go there, but you get the point. Like, we love our bodies, so we're not going to devalue the body. So the, the slight difference is, in our culture, we elevate science and reason and logic. Do you follow with me on that? So our society says, yes, it has to be logical. It has to make sense scientifically. So what do we do with the supernatural? What do we do with miracles? Oh, yeah, I'm sure those happened a long time ago. I don't really understand that. Let's just talk about something else, can we? Like, let me prove my faith to you. And the thing that we're missing is that our faith, rests upon the most unnatural, audaciously wild, supernatural event that ever happened, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Faith isn't faith if it can be proven. And our faith rests on the resurrection of Jesus. That resurrection changes everything. So, humor me for a minute. What if the resurrection of Jesus actually didn't happen? What if it didn't quite go downward like that? I mean, the disciples loved Jesus. People followed Jesus. They really, really wanted him to be alive. They wanted his prophecy to, 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 to actually come true. So maybe it, was, maybe it was all in good faith and it was just a well-wishing thing. Maybe uh, since the, the word that we have is written by, you know, these Galilean fishermen and this Greek doctor and then this crazy zealous Pharisee who converted to Christianity, maybe they didn't get it exactly right. Maybe it's been embellished a little bit. I mean, have you heard this line of reasoning? Maybe, maybe Jesus just rose allegorically, or his spirit rose. Or maybe he actually just didn't completely die, and he just went into a coma, and then he, he, he was back. See, many of the people that we go to work with, that we go to school with, many of the people who write the entertainment that we consume, Many of the people that we just live life with on a daily basis, believe it or not, and, and I, I would imagine people in here today, you believe something closer to what I just said than the simple truth that Jesus died, he was buried, and that he rose again. We're going to talk about Jesus' death for a minute here. Um, the first thing that just shows you that something Definitely different happened that is unexplainable. Exhibit A would be the Apostle Peter and his life that just radically transformed. There was a lot of lives like that that radically transformed. But let's just talk about this death for a second. First of all, we know it was done by the Romans, right? The Romans were professional executioners. I mean, they conquered, and to keep people in line, they crucified them. And crucifixion was invented by the Romans as the most torturous slow death possible to keep people scared and to keep them in subjection to them. If these Romans crucified Jesus and Jesus wasn't actually dead, they would lose their own head. So they're not going to make a mistake here. But let's just say somehow, some way, Jesus wasn't fully dead on that cross. The Romans put the spear in, they nailed him, they, they somehow mistaked his corpse and, and they, thought he, they thought he was dead. They threw him in the tomb, and he was still alive. This is sounding pretty fishy already. But he's in this cold, dark tomb. He's wrapped in, in, in mummified and spices. And then a weekend in the tomb, somehow, some way, that revived him. And then somehow, some way, Jesus removed the two-ton stone from the, from the grave. I mean, if you're a fan of logic and reason, I rest my case right here. But if all that was to happen and Jesus found his way back to the disciples, well, guys, here I am. I conquered death. What do you think the disciples are going to say? They would stifle the urge to basically be like, wait, 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 wait. You didn't conquer anything. You need medical attention. All right? There's no way Jesus could have somehow lived through the crucifixion and then lived to tell about it. And then even if it was a, some crazy coma and he just survived that, 
The disciples would have never given everything to follow him from there. They never would have. Do you see how ridiculous those excuses sound? Nothing that flows and follows after the resurrection would make any sense unless Jesus died and Jesus rose again. We can see from secular history that the Romans actually made it a capital offense to steal a body out of a tomb in that specific region of Judea. Why on earth would they do that if nothing, nothing had happened there? Another thing that we see is actually in Acts chapter 26. I don't know if you have the screen right now, that's okay. But Acts chapter 26, uh, Paul, who's standing before Festus, he actually says there in verse 24, and he's saying these things in his defense. Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly, for I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For what has been done has not been done in a corner. What if it was just the wrong tomb, though, David? This is another thing other people will say. What if, I mean, okay, think about it. Jesus couldn't have really risen, so maybe the women who found Jesus first just, just discovered the wrong tomb. I mean, you know how ladies are with directions, right? I mean, it's early in the morning. They're emotional. Mascara is running. Ladies, can you just say stop right there for a minute, okay? That's ridiculous. Of course not. Of course not. Okay, if they found the wrong tomb and they came to the disciples and then Peter and John ran to the tomb, you know, John outran Peter, but Peter went from being this scared, fearful guy who's like just a pansy hiding in this upper room to a guy who he was going to go back to his fishing business to a person who gave his life for Jesus Christ. He was crucified upside down because he refused to be martyred the same way his Savior died. All these lives were radically changed. And yeah, okay, uh, what if it was just a mass hallucination, David? Are you kidding me? Are you really joking me? Did you have a dream last night? I actually had a dream last night. Um, does, does your wife or your husband or did your closest friend know what your dream about? dream was about last night? Probably not, right? Your dreams are very personal. You don't have 500 people actually hallucinating and seeing the same thing. The only thing that would change all of this is Jesus dying on the cross, being buried in the tomb, and three days later, coming back to life. Jesus' resurrection changed everything. 1 Corinthians 15 is where we're going to read from in just a second. And as I said earlier, this passage of Scripture, pound for pound, is just loaded. The Bible doesn't play favorites. There's every, every part of Scripture is just as valuable, but I dare say 1 Corinthians 15 is one of the most significant passages in all of Scripture. And this is where we're going to see what all of the extra is all about today. So, 1 Corinthians 15, let's read verses 1 through 10. 
to start out. Verses 1 through 10 in 1 Corinthians 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he raised on, that he was, excuse me, that he was buried, that he raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though, them, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of all the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But the grace of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. Your salvation is 100% dependent on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is our first point today. The first point is your salvation is dependent on the resurrection. If Jesus died and rose from the dead, how can you be casual about your faith? Something so unworldly, something so impossible to even hardly believe unless you see it with your own eyes. Jesus gave everything for you so you can have a chance to be everything that you were created to be. And your only alternative then is to give him everything. The resurrection changes everything. And, and, and we may not like what the Bible says about how to live our lives. You may not like what the Bible says about X, Y, or Z, but the fact is, Jesus died and rose again. So when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, no man comes to the Father but by me, we have to listen to him. And what we see here in this, in this passage of Scripture, verse 3, for I delivered you as of first importance that Jesus Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture. You see how it keeps going in accordance with Scripture. There was over 300 prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament that Jesus Christ fulfilled. That's amazing. That's, I mean, I won't even give you the numbers because I've heard them a thousand times, the stats on that, and we never remember those stats. At least I don't remember those stats. But it was literally like one in a trillion billion that Jesus would have ever been able to fulfill all these prophecies, yet he did that. We were told the city that he was going to be born. We were told that actually the time that he was going to be born in the book of Daniel. Micah says where he was going to be born. And Jesus fulfilled every last prophecy in accordance with Scripture. The resurrection changes everything because it changes what we have to listen to and it changes what we have to believe. You see there, um, verse, verse 5 we start getting the proof, right? The proof of how Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to Cephas. I already told you about that. That's Peter, right? I already told you about how he radically changed his life, became the leader of the church. He appeared also there. We talked about the 500. He appeared also to James. James was the brother of Jesus, all right? 
And James, we see in Scripture, did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God during Jesus' earthly ministry. He, did, he was not a believer in Jesus at all. What did it take? Well, I mean, let me ask you this first. What would it take for you to believe that your brother is God? <laughs> what would it take? Well, it would probably take your brother dying and then rising again to new life, right? That's what it took for James, and that's what happened. James became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. James was also martyred. He was thrown from the top of the temple to his death. And all these guys, including Paul, the one untimely born, the one who had persecuted the church, saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. This is what turned the world upside down. And our salvation solely rests on the fact that Jesus died and he was raised imperishable. If Jesus didn't die, we wouldn't be talking about him 2,000 years later. He wouldn't be changing our lives 2,000 years later. We would have forgotten about him long, long ago. But let's keep listening here uh, because this is point two. The divine plan of redemption also crumbles if there's no resurrection. Point two is your completion is dependent on the resurrection. Your completion is dependent on the resurrection. Look at verse 20. We're going to jump down to verse 20 here. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, and by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. The first fruits. Okay, Paul is using this illustration. Like all the Corinthians would have understood this. The first fruit is just the first fruit that comes in in harvest season. And if the first fruit comes in, you know everything else is flowing in. Just like that first gray hair that you get, right? You know that first gray hair is there? Oh, great, here they come. Can't do anything about this. Unless I'm going to go to those aging, aging techniques, those beauty aging techniques. But the beautiful thing, if you want to look back at verse, at verse 12, we know that our faith is futile. We know our faith is worthless. Verse 12 says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you were still in your sins. Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope, in this life only, we are of all people to be most pitied. Our completion solely rests on this. Are you kidding me? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we would just be helpless, hopeless, pitiful idiots that were even here today worshiping someone who claimed to live and claimed to die and then rise again who never did that. We would also still be in our sin, verse 15. We would be misrepresenting God, verse 13. That's a big problem, right? Not only that, but every single lost person, every single loved one in our lives who has died, we will never see them again. It just got dark really fast, didn't it? There is no hope if Jesus didn't rise. 
And the thing here that actually goes beyond just Jesus' life now, this is really becoming real for you, is that because Jesus raised to life, imperishable, he's the first fruits, and now this has to do with your completion. Now you also, all who believe by faith, who repent of their sin and believe in faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, will also be raised incorruptible. You will also be raised imperishable. You will actually become who God created you to be. You will come full circle. This is your completion. Asleep here is a term for believers whose bodies have now passed away. Notice the Bible. This is, this is really revealing. The Bible doesn't even really say that our bodies die. I know we say that all the time. But our soul is the moment, we're, the moment we're gone here on earth. Our soul, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is present with the Lord. Our soul lives forever. Our soul is never dying anywhere. It's going to eternity at the moment that we breathe our last breath. But Paul here doesn't even say your body dies. Paul says your body is asleep. Because one day, you will actually be given an incorruptible, imperishable, resurrected body. This fleshly body is not going to be eternal. Obviously, it's going to return to dust. But you're going to be given a new body, a resurrected body. Look back at verse 22 for a minute. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So the guarantee here, and this is what the Corinthians were having a hard time understanding because their, their Gnostic culture was just warping their thinking. Like, ah, can we really be raised again? Like, I mean, just because Jesus rose again, does that mean we will also be given a new body? And Paul's like, yes, yes. Because Jesus rose and became, uh, became new with his new resurrected body, you will also be given that. It's a first fruit. It's a guarantee. And actually, Paul uses this same illustration of in Adam, all die, in Christ, all are raised. He uses the same illustration in Romans chapter 5. I want to show you Romans 5, 12 really quick here. Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. And then, if just moving on there in Romans, because Paul really explains this super well in Romans, verse 17, for if for if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Jesus' resurrection doesn't just save you from sin, it changes everything. Through the resurrection, God's redemption comes full circle. We were made in the image of God, right? When God created this world, it was good. There was no sin. There was no darkness. There was no shame. But mankind fell. Our representative head, Adam, sinned. And then sin has been passed on to every single one of us. But by faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the repentance of our sin and our turning in faith to Jesus, 
you too can be raised imperishable, receiving a resurrected body. So what do we know about this resurrected body? Well, we know that they recognize Jesus. I know those ladies in the garden, when they saw the gardener, and this is the other, the other thing about the resurrection, it's like, would it ever have been written the way it's written in Scripture if that's not what really happens? Because the ladies see Jesus, his resurrected body, and they think it's like the gardener, right? Shouldn't Jesus be like glowing right now? Um, it doesn't make any sense uh, if it was that way. Why wouldn't it have been somebody like Joseph of Arimathea, some respected man? I mean, I'm not trying to be hard on ladies. I was joking around later on. But a woman's testimony wouldn't have held up in court in that day, in the ancient day, right? So the fact that we're told the women discovered, these three women discovered Jesus' body first, and they couldn't even really recognize him, and then it all clicked, and, they, and, they, and, it just, and it's Jesus, I recognize you. That is another proof that it happened the way it happened in Scripture, and the disciples didn't just fabricate this. But they saw his resurrected body. He still had the nail scars in his hands. We also see in Scripture that he went from the road to Emmaus to instantly just appearing in the upper room with the disciples. Teleportation. That's going to be pretty amazing. Do you realize that Christians, believers, people who have given their life to Jesus Christ, one day you will too receive an imperishable, incorruptible, resurrected body, like the resurrected body of Jesus Christ? That's what 1 Corinthians 15 is saying. This is incredible. How can we be sleeping on this? How can this not radically change the way we live our life? We will be given a resurrected body. Completed and glorified by God's good plan. The resurrected changes everything, and here's one more thing that it changes. Number three, your victory is accomplished through the resurrection. Your personal victory. And I know it may not feel like that at times. I know like right now in this world, this present life, it can get dark and get nasty really quick. But your victory is accomplished through the resurrection. Look at verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? You better believe it. It's like we have this victory already sealed up. We know it's happened. We just don't always quite feel it yet. It's like you know Tiger Woods won the Masters, but you DVR it and you still go back and watch it after the fact just to like relish in the moment and to feel it and to just, just watch it unfold. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see this victory happen, right? That is your life right now in Jesus Christ. This may sound crazy for you. I know some of you are thinking, wow, this, just, this is just too much, David. 
but Jesus died and he's now alive and that changes everything. Everyone who believes in the name of Jesus is called out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. And right now, our bodies are a shadow and just a shell of what they're, they're meant to be. Look back at verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. Yeah, there's a lot of dishonor within our world right now, in our lives right now. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. You better believe we're weak right now. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a life, a living being. The last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. But is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, the man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. This is our victory. We are raised from death to life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If there's no resurrection, there's nothing to believe in. There's just no faith. There's nothing to have faith in. But the resurrection changes everything. So maybe you're still not convinced. Maybe after talking about all this, the prophecies in accordance with Scripture, just the simple fact that the world turned upside down, these men's lives changed radically, Maybe it's still too much for you to handle, and, and, and you're, you just have to see it to believe it. Maybe you're like Festus, and you know something happened, but you're not ready to change your life and to give up what you are currently living for and give your life to Jesus Christ. Well, if that's you today, you have some unresolved conflicts, okay? And we don't want to spend too much time on this because we're trying to talk about the victory right now that we have. But it's important for all of us to be reminded of the fact that without the resurrection, a lot of things literally don't make sense in this world. If you're refusing to accept the resurrection of Jesus Christ and there's no resurrection, that means there's no hope. There is no hope in this world. Any words of comfort that you try to give someone, someone with early onset dementia, you know what, really, it just doesn't, doesn't even matter. It really doesn't. I mean, you can maybe make them try to feel good for a little while, but what good is it going to do? Their life is never going to change. They're never going to come full circle with the resurrected body. They're never going to really have victory. They're going to struggle their whole life. If you lose someone, a loved one, what well-wishing words could you possibly say to really truly change it? They're gone, they're gone. Without the resurrection, we really have no hope. And this life is it. I know some of us are just loving life right now and enjoying life right now. But if this life is really all there is, 
let's just be honest. That's kind of depressing. Because as good as life can be, there is pain, there is sorrow, there's heartache, there's death. For those of us in this room who don't know Jesus, this present life is as good as it's ever going to get. But for those of us who do know Jesus Christ and believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, do you realize this present life is as bad as it's ever going to get? Because we're going to have a resurrected body in eternity and have a relationship with God. And we're going to dwell with him the way we were created to live. You could make a million dollars. You could be a super famous, popular person. You could get everything this life has to offer. And Ben alluded to it in the announcement time as he was just going through that. You would still have a hole in your heart and you would still be missing something. Because there is a fulfillment that only Jesus can bring. That's because you were created in the image of God. And you have a reason for your life and a purpose for your life that is so much bigger than just your desires and just your needs. If you don't believe in the resurrection, if you don't have faith in Jesus, yes, you can live this life for yourself. Yes, you can get after it and have, have a good time for a season. But you'll never be fulfilled. Only the resurrection of Jesus Christ will change everything that needs to change in your life. Look again at verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. It doesn't get any better than verse 58. Here is our victory right here. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Whatever you do with your life, Christians, followers of Jesus, whatever you do with your life, you can have confidence and strength and peace and joy that you would never have without Jesus Christ. Not only is your salvation dependent on the resurrection, not only is your completion dependent on the resurrection, but you can be victorious in your life right now through the resurrection. Even if it's painful financially, even if someone you love is just emotionally abusing you, even if someone is just verbally tearing you apart, even if you, you are disgusted with your own harmful choices that you're making in your life and you just can't believe you're doing it, but you keep doing it. Even despite all of those things, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you repent of your sin and you turn to Jesus, you can be raised imperishable. This truth is the first fruits of Jesus Christ imparted to all who believe, all who have faith in the resurrection. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. By faith in his resurrection, we will all be raised.
Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh, Jesus Christ, my living hope. 